exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. That's a class. Are we? <laughs> WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on the Impact 89FM. I'm Scott here with you every Monday night. And Pavel's sitting across from me, back as usual. How you doing, Pavel? I'm all right. You know, I took my usual seat here. You know, it's uh, the usual Monday night. Nothing really that big to talk about. Yeah, no no, no big news. And we're joined nope. by somebody else here, friend Kyle, sitting in. How you doing, Kyle? Ah, not too bad. How are you guys doing? Great. Don't worry about don't worry about that mic there. Kyle's interested in the show, wants some experience. I was like, hey, you know, come sit in, check out how it is. And for other people who are interested, other students, you know, this is uh, my last semester here on campus, Pavel's last semester here. So we've got to give this up eventually. You know, if you're interested, shoot me an email, uh, sportsrap at impact89fm.org if you're interested in being on the show. I mean, students, you have to be a student of MSU, but... Or stop by and fill out an application for it. Yeah, either stop way. Stop Holden Hall. Yep, the basement of Holden Hall, down here G4. You can see me at the front desk, even. Talk to me then. Love talking to anybody about sports, so, you know, always eager to have new people here. Now, what's what's your experience in the sports world here, Kyle? Oh, in the sports world, I'm, I'm a Chicago native, so I slightly different spin. Oh, man. Wait, uh, wait, wait. <laughs> White Sox or Cubs? Oh, Cubs. Oh, okay. not even a question. Okay, that's, that's, that's fine. That's perfectly <laughs> fine with me. That's, that's all I needed to know. So, you know, okay, well, we might as well just jump right in. Now... Pavel, Pavel comes in today, and jokingly, I hope jokingly. <laughs> it was uh, jokingly. So, uh, any any big news today? Any headlines? And for those of you who have been under a rock for the last about 24 hours, Alex Rodriguez took steroids. Not even just allegations. He took them. He admitted to it today. From 2001 until 2003, 
he took testosterone and another steroid. Oh, I'll get the name of it in a second, but the poster boy. He was he was supposed to be the one who could take the home run title away from Barry Bonds and finally have it be clean again. I mean, it's, okay, Barry Bonds hasn't been proven guilty, but in my mind, he took steroids. He he did something, performance-enhancing drugs some way. And lots of people feel that he doesn't deserve the home run record. I don't think he does, personally. And I was in that group of people who felt that A-Rod was going to overtake him eventually, and it, it'd be clean. The prize would be the record would be clean, someone who never cheated, never did anything. And then turns out, back in 2003, Major League Baseball and the Players Union, they uh, got together and decided they should do a random, anonymous drug test to see if they needed to start implementing mandatory drug testing throughout the league. They tested 1,198 people anonymously, which is the key here, anonymous, you don't know who they are. And if the certain percentage, I think it was about 5%, if that came back positive, they were going to implement the mandatory drug tests. Well, 104 people tested positive, which, I mean, it's over 5%. And somehow, after a few raids of labs, they found the information, and it was leaked by four different sources that Alex Rodriguez was on that list of people who tested positive. You know, my biggest thing is that 2001, 2000 to 2003, those times it was not illegal. Exactly. It, it wasn't illegal, so, you know, the entire, every single person in the major leagues could have been taking it as far as I know. Are you saying that it's not a problem that he took it then? I, I don't see it as a problem. I mean, if, if everybody had a fair chance, if it wasn't illegal, if everybody had a fair chance to be using what he was using, then why not? The bigger problem is was that they were tested. They came in for tests in secrecy, you know, in confidentiality, and now it's been leaking. So they were lied to, basically, you know. Why would you trust anyone? Because, you know, it's a problem in the union that these things are getting leaked. Barry Bonds' info was leaked. A-Rod, who This else? is how Who's the whole next? Balco thing started was the this anonymous information was leaked and Kurt Schilling he has a blog he's one of the more famous athletes who keeps an active blog he's saying that all 104 players should be named not just Alex Rodriguez from this anonymous test and I'm not I mean I think it's it's crap that A-Rod singled out because there probably are other high profile guys in that test that ended up being positive like they did take performance enhancing drugs but I don't know what are what are your thoughts on that? Should they should the other guys be named? Well, I, I think there's going to be a big legal fallout because the union is going to feel a lot of pressure by all the other names on that list to go after whoever's leaking this because they're not going to want to get caught, obviously. So, if if they if there's no that you can't leak names like that. So if there's no legal case going on about this leak, I would be very surprised. And as far as the whole A Rod thing. It wasn't illegal at the time, and I understand that. So there's there's not going to be any he like he can't get suspended or anything. Right. But it is a huge blow to the image of Major League Baseball. He was one of the last stars of that time period that had no suspicion around him. Now the only one left that I can think of is Ken Griffey Jr. That's exactly what I was going to say. You know he he's got hurt so much that you know steroids 
Huh. Yeah, that's kind of scary to think about. That. That's. I was talking to my roommate before I came on, and we were just, just talking. And I said, you know, I don't know what to believe anymore. And I said exactly. I said the next name we're going to hear is Ken Griffey Jr. And Pavel, I know I'll, I'll agree with you on this one. Albert Pujols is one of the guys who doesn't have anything said about him yeah, yet. Yeah, I couldn't be more positive. I think that, or I wouldn't be. You know, so shocked. I would be absolutely shocked if I heard that Albert Pujols was using performance-enhancing drugs. I wouldn't be shocked. I would be surprised, though, because that was at the tail end of the era. He wasn't in the clubhouse with Mark McGuire. He he didn't really have anything to do with that time period. I, I wouldn't be shocked because at this point in time, nothing would shock me as far exactly. as steroids goes, but I, I would be a little surprised. And the thing is, his numbers never took a huge jump. He's right. As soon as he came in, he's been... The, the same that he is. I mean, he holds records for consecutive seasons with, what, 30 home runs, I 30 think? 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 100 runs, and a 300 average. Right. And now, the thing is, A-Rod claims, and he, he came clean today, and I, I believe what he said. In and you got to give him respect for that. And exactly. I think he's earned my yeah. respect for coming out just like Andy Pett and Jason Giambi did. And the thing is, in a previous interview, he said, he was quoted, uh, I think Katie Couric interviewed him back... A while, a few years ago, in 2007, and he said, quote, I've never felt overmatched on the baseball field. I felt that if I did my work as I've done since I was, you know, a rookie back in Seattle, I didn't have a problem competing at any level, end quote. That was the reasoning he gave for why he never did steroids. Now, Kurt Schilling ripped him for basically not saying... Kurt Schilling's stance is the only acceptable answer is, no, I've never taken performance-enhancing drugs. That's the only way he'll believe anybody if they say that. But the problem I have with that is, what did Rafael Palmero say in front of the court? And yeah, he gave a little finger point, and he looked him straight in the eye, and he said, I did not take performance-enhancing drugs. I Same thing with think, Mark McGuire. Exactly. I almost think that when you deny that much, I, I tend to not believe them as much. So when A-Rod gave a reasoning like that, and I kind of I agreed with it when— from the time that he came in in Seattle, I mean, his first full season back in 96, he hit 358, and he had, let's see, 36 home runs. That's, I mean, and as on, a... On Seattle, he was always overshadowed as, he never got the credit, I think, as, as the power hitter that he was, because he was on the same team as Griffey. So he was always, what did he hit, in the two-hole most of the time he was there? I think so. And then... You know, it really wasn't noted that he was a home run hitter until he went over to the Rangers. And that, you know, also is when he started using steroids. But Well, and here, the thing is, in 2003, the last season that he took him, he did win the AL MVP award. That's why a lot of people are upset. He's also won two MVP awards since then. But these are his home run numbers leading up. Starting in 96, his first full season, he had 36 home runs, then 23, 42, 42, 41, and then he started taking steroids. He hit 52, 57, 47. He stopped. He hit 36, but then hit 48, 35, 54 back in 2007, and 35 last season. Exactly. Look at look at the the kind of production he's having when you know that nobody would dare take steroids now. Assuming nobody would dare take steroids now, so most of the players are clean. And look at the kind of numbers he's putting up. Look at Jason Giambi. He's still hitting you know at least 20 homers this year clean so i think i get i have to give him respect and we were talking before the show how he handles this he's come out you know he said i'm sorry i made a mistake it wasn't illegal though but 
you know, he's going to come out there, and I think he's going to have still, he's going to put up some great numbers this year, all doing it clean. So I would not actually say that his reputation is that tarnished. If he breaks Bonds' records, I think they should give it to him. Well, if they give Bonds the record in the first place, then I think they have to give A-Rod the record just because, I mean, you can't say no to one person when one the other has been so much more noted as to using steroids, and yeah. you still give it to him. I agree. Now, and the thing is, this just it comes at the worst possible time for A-Rod because there's so much stuff going on. He's had one of the worst six-month spans that anybody can have. I mean, he's got the whole divorce issue and the Madonna issue, and now with Joe Torre's book coming out being a fraud, and still everybody in New York hates him because he doesn't perform well in the playoffs, and now he has this added in. Now, I don't know if this was just timed like this on purpose, because this happens a couple weeks ago. It doesn't take over. Right now, there's nothing going on. NFL playoffs are done. College basketball is heating up. It's not quite on everybody's radar just yet. NBA is kind of stalled. I mean, it's it's intense, but it's not even the All-Star break. NHL, it's getting to where it's it's in the better part of their season, but it's still the NHL. Sorry, Pavel. And so, I mean, there's nothing, no big news going on right now, and... Now we have this. There's always, always something to either put the Yankees or the Cowboys in the headlines. You know, it seems like there's always a huge story that hits right before spring training opens. I don't remember what last year's was, but, you know, there's always this huge story that hits right before spring training opens in baseball. Last year, Barry Barry Bonds Bonds, not, not being signed yet was the biggest thing then. And the thing is now, I don't know if... He wants to be that way, but he took all the pressure off of the Yankees when they start up because most people were going to talk about how they've spent so much money to get CeCe Sabathia, Mark Teixeira, and A.J. Burnett. Now nobody even cares about that anymore. All it is is A-Rod, which I think he'll come out of it okay. There's, I mean, like we've said, the league can't do anything about it. It was basically he tested positive back for a study to see if they needed to test everybody. So there's nothing happening there. He might get into some legal issues, but I even I doubt that. You know, I was going to say that uh, if so many players did take steroids when it wasn't illegal, and, you know, why didn't they all have such a huge jump in production? You know, there's a skill factor in there, too. you got to have that to start with. A-Rod had that skill factor. You've got to be good enough to make contact with a baseball. You've got to be good enough to be a good all-around player, steroids just enhances it and gets you better. So not anyone ju- can just take steroids and hit 50 homers. Right. And I think I think it was Ken Rosenthal was on, on ESPN radio earlier today, and he has a vote for the Hall of Fame. And, of course, when you get to steroids, you get to talking, should people be allowed in the Hall of Fame? Which, nowadays, people don't care. Like, I don't think players care as much now if they're a Hall of Famer or not. I'm sure it's important. But for Mark McGuire... We talked about this a couple weeks ago, if he should be in or not. He said the reason he didn't vote for him is because McGuire was a power hitter. That was all he had. That was the type of player he was. And the fact that he took steroids, steroids enhanced being a power hitter. So he took steroids to make himself better in the one dimension that he was. So that that's the reason that he didn't vote for him, because... That made him the player. That's what he was. Absolutely. You know, and the thing that hurts McGuire is that 
because he was just a power hitter, you know, he either made contact with the ball and crushed it out of the park, or he struck out. I mean, he was near 200 strikeouts every season. And the last few years, he was with the Cardinals. He was struggling to stay above batting 200. So, yeah, I think I think all steroids aside, if it hadn't been for the 98 season, McGuire wouldn't even be in Hall of Fame talk anyways. He was a pure power hitter, and had he not had the record, even if he wasn't busted for steroids, I, I don't think he would have been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm not sure. Home runs. It's it's close. I mean, nowadays with it, not not just because it's a steroid era, but just the fact that so many people are getting up to those type of numbers because people are playing longer. You've got people I can't think like Frank Thomas. He's over 500. I doubt he'll ever make it in. Rafael Palmero. Exactly, and Palmero. I'm sure he won't even get close. And then you've got other guys. But you were saying the fact that when you make that jump, there's one player that comes to mind. Um, Brett Boone, just just out of nowhere, a middle infielder who starts hitting 40 home runs, 30, 40 home runs. He's a power. He's an all-star player. Then they crack down on the testing. Where did he go? He he fell off the face of the earth. He had retired. Juan Gonzalez, former Indian, perfect example. Yeah, Juan Gonzalez can't even stay in the league. That's true. And even recently, I mean, where's Andrew Andrew Jones gone? He just got signed to a minor league deal. Yeah, with deal. the Rangers. Yeah, with the Rangers, yeah. which is crazy. I, mean, I was going to bring that up and talk about that because he was one of the top outfielders for years playing in Atlanta. I, I love to watch him play. And then a couple of years ago, he just stopped being able to hit the ball at all. And He became a strictly a, strictly a power hitter. You know, he was in the MVP talk. Him and Pujols were battling, I think it was three years ago. Jones had you know forty two homers, but he was hitting two ten. Right. You know Pujols had every single category beat. Who knows? And then bring up a good point here. My my roommate did before I left to come down here because we were talking, and it's tough to really measure. I don't like when people make the comparison between different time eras. It, it's impossible to say who's better, Barry Bonds or Babe Ruth. Uh, you just you can't compare them because there's you don't have anything to compare to. I mean, their numbers it's not even close to being equal. There's so many things have changed since then. But the one way you do judge players is their performance based on others. And with steroids, you can see jumps in numbers for hitters. But there's a lot of pitchers out there who I don't think people realize that they've been taking them. But how can you measure? How do you know? Like batters, it gets kind of obvious when you start hitting 45 home runs. How do you know, like pitchers, like Eric Gagne, how do you know? Like, I mean, he got bigger. Add You add, what, two miles an hour to your fastball, maybe? I don't think it's much as that as much as giving them stamina and agility than, you know, having them be able to throw more pitches, having their arms strong enough to throw enough pitches, you know, Maybe do long relief, or for starters, you know, you know it could be in the difference between a complete game and falling short six innings. I think the stat to look at with pitchers is pitchers is definitely innings. You can't; it doesn't add enough to any of your pitchers. But when you start throwing so many more innings than you were before, if you used to be a five six inning guy, and all of a sudden now you're going into the eighth inning consistently, then it's something to look into. Very well, could be. Interesting. I'm sure there's going to be a big fallout now, even more so. And this this last season, I there weren't very many people who I feel were taking steroids. I mean, the American League home run 
leader, I think it was Miguel Cabrera, hit 36, 37, which in recent years is not very many at all because before we had people hitting 70. So I think it's starting to get clean. Finally, they're, they're policing it correctly, and hopefully this will wash over eventually. It'll take take a little while, but it's getting getting better. Now, and it'll just be interesting to see. We've got pitchers and catchers reporting here coming up this week. So we get spring training rolling around here in a little bit. And then hopefully we'll find out where all these free agents who are still out there are going to go. This is the weirdest year that all the free agents, you know, it's a few days left from pitchers and catchers reporting, and there's still big-name free agents out there. And I think it's their agents that are... You know, stealing the show. Scott Boris is just ridiculous. He's Manny Ramirez's agent. Scott Boris is. And Manny just turned down what? It was a one-year, $25 million deal. And he previously turned down a two-year, $45 million deal. He, Both from the Dodgers. He's holding out for a three-year deal. He's proven that he can put up the numbers to, you know, he still got it. You know, he wants a long-term deal. He wants three years. In my opinion, if he wants that... You know, he was previously offered two years for 45. I'd give him three years, 60 mil, and have it incentive-based. If he's so confident he can put up those numbers, have him earn it through incentives. Three years, 60 you'd, mil, right there. You'd give him three years. He's 36 years old. Okay, are you talking from the Dodgers? Yeah. If the okay. Dodgers have it, yeah. So, in the National League, you'd be willing to take Manny Ramirez for three years, knowing that he doesn't play defense, You'd have to you'd have to put him on the field. There's no DH in the National League. At 36, I mean his numbers his numbers were good. He hit 37 home runs, 121 RBIs last year, batting 332. He does bring in a lot of money for the club. People love him out in LA. They he brings people to the stadium. But, but his impact on the Dodgers last year, he, when he came over, he instantly made them a playoff team and a, a favorite for the World Series. I would have voted him the MVP. Absolutely. His impact is incredible. Yeah, as someone who watched firsthand how he absolutely tore apart the Cubs in the playoffs, I would absolutely give him a three-year deal, but you can't give him that amount of money. The reason there's so many free agents roaming around still is because the small clubs can't afford to shell out just ridiculous amount of money. It's not the years. It's not the. It's not that they don't think they can do it. You, the LA, even the L.A. Dodgers, they don't have an absurd amount of money. They're not the Yankees. They can't afford to give everyone on their team millions of dollars for three years. I, I, I think Manny Ramirez is taking this almost personally, like they're saying he can't do it. It's just that they can't pay him. They, there's not enough money out there in the baseball world, in the sports world, to be throwing around like that. It's just a matter of who's going to give in first. Are the Dodgers going to become so desperate that they give him that third year, or is Manny going to be finally realize, you know, hey, you know, I want to get out there and be on a team and really be part of spring training? I'm usually supposed to be in spring training right now. No, I'm sitting on the couch. I see him as being someone who who would want to play before before it comes to that. I don't see him sitting out. Even, even spring training, though, I could very easily see him spring just relaxing training. through spring training. Not all of it, because, I mean, this guy, he likes to put off the facade of being lazy and Manny being Manny. He doesn't work <laughs> out, doesn't doesn't go to the cages. But there's people who have spent time with him over the winters and said that he's just relentless, that he's always always in the batting cages. I think he's he's one of those guys that just loves to play. Yeah. So, I, I think I see him eventually... 
coming back to the Dodgers and saying, you know, that previous offer for two years, 45, I'll take it, maybe with an option for a third year, depending on his performance. You know, it could be an option for a third year. I think he'd take that. Eventually, when it comes down to it, him getting on the field, I think he'll take the two years, 45. Hopefully. he's As much as people want to hate him, he's good for the game. Oh, he's very good. And I think he, he fits perfectly out in L.A. And I think everybody realized that last year when the deal was made and he went out there. That that just works. And I'm sure, I'm, I mean, I'm not positive that he's going to go there. The Giants are also interested. But I believe that Manny will be a Dodger when the season starts or at least 10 games. I, I want him to be with the Dodgers. He, he, like you said, he fits there. LA's they a love weird, LA's a weird town. They obviously love the Lakers because they keep doing so well. Their professional football team is USC. That's that's all they have to watch football. And as avid as their fans seem to be for baseball, they're if you watch one of their games, they're gone by the seventh inning. It's a very weird town, but he, he really does fit in so well and I think it's gonna turn around and you're gonna start seeing some more diehard Dodgers fans who are gonna stick it out. See. Uh, Nicholson sitting behind the dugout there. <laughs> That'd be fun to see. All right, you're listening to the Spartan Sports Trap here on the Impact 89 FM. I'm Scott. Pavel's across from me. Kyle's joining us today. If you want to get a hold of us, voice your opinion, ask some questions, our number here is 432-3893. Love to hear what people out there have to say about the whole A-Rod situation and what they think Manny's going to do. We're moving on college basketball right now. Where uh, we uh, jumped back up into the top ten of the rankings after a good week this week, Michigan State's up to number nine. Now uh, we had some good games. I mean, I was I was worried. They were statement exclamation point games. I mean, we just embarrassed number twenty three Minnesota. I think they were nineteen at the time. Yeah, just embarrassed. Run them, ran them out of the gym in the first half, forty two to. 18 or something like that. It was it was the Darrell yeah. Summers highlight show. We, we had a 30-point lead going into halftime of that game, and Minnesota's a good team. They're a solid ball club. Yeah, Darrell Summers outscored in the first half, outscored Minnesota on his own. He had 16, and Minnesota had 15. I think it was 17-16. 17-16, yeah. yes. Yeah. So. Somewhere around there. <laughs> and then, of course, we turned around and played Indiana on Saturday, and I was worried at, after that first half. I mean, we weren't up... We were up, what, eight? Eight going into halftime? Yeah, seven or eight. And they came out, and we we didn't hit any shots to start the second half. They brought it to three. Yes, they did. 33 to 30. Yes. And eventually, I mean, we, we pulled away. They, I feel bad for Tom Crean, but I know that it's going to get better for him down there, Tom Crean being the head coach of Indiana. He just he doesn't have anything to work with. He's got I, – I looked at their roster, and it – I've got it here somewhere. They have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine freshmen. Nine freshmen. That's disgusting. Yeah, you know, it's just like MSU hockey having 13 freshmen this yeah, year. Exactly. And their, their leading scorer could be out for the rest of the year now after getting suspended for no, the elbow he's not, he, no, he was suspended he, indefinitely today. I know, right? but he's not going to get suspended more than maybe two games, more than maybe a week. Probably. By the sign of it with Tom Crean, I think he was more like... Uh, just uh, you know, a warning to him, and he knows it. He apologized. He's treating this right. I'm not going to see him. He's not going to be out more than maybe a week. We're talking Devin Dumas. Devin Dumas yeah. is the guard from that. And I, 
I mean, I saw, I saw it as soon as the game started. Really, it seemed like Travis Walton was just in his head and just being a pest the entire time. And there was one, Pablo, you said that he Manny, helped Manny Harris style. He oh, that's not checked right. himself mm-hmm. and uh, Dumas hit Waller with an elbow right in the face, okay. and he got an offensive foul called. But it on that one, yeah. yeah. And then I remember one time down the court. They were it was off away from the ball and they got kind of tangled up. It looked like Dumas almost got Walton in a headlock, and Travis just kind of stepped back and just gave him a two hand shove. N- nobody saw it, like none of the refs saw it. Nothing happened, and then I think Dumas picked up another foul. He had three fouls in the first half, and you could tell that he was just mad and he was playing. He was it was cheap the way that Dumas was playing. It was cheap and dirty. And Wal- he, Walton's a very crafty player. He yes. is. A, I've seen him a couple of times through the year, getting in you know someone's head, completely psyching him out. A few times the refs would Walton would just have a big smile on his face, but the refs would just kind of have to grab him and lead him away because you could you just know he's saying something, getting inside a young player's head. You know, yesterday I was watching the Purdue Illinois game on CBS, and the the guys calling the game, Vern Lundquist and Greg Anthony, he was making his debut on CBS. Okay. And he mentioned that the top two defensive players in the Big Ten are playing in that game. Chris nice. Kramer and Chester Frazier. Yeah. and then, Chester Frazier? Yeah. Fortunately, after the game, I went over to the Braz. I talked to Travis Walton about it. And, you know, he's like, I'll just have to show him on the court. You know, I, he, he can say whatever he wants, but I'll just leave it uh, for them to decide on the court. But yeah. uh, I, Travis Walton has is the most unspoken, best defensive guy. And just like Kalen Lucas, you know, he's not getting as much hype as he, he should. He is one of the best players. Right. Seeing him up up close, I think we would agree that he is one of the best guards in the country. It's funny funny you should mention that. It's like like we were talking about this just a few minutes ago. Um, as soon as you got in here, I, I saw earlier today, they selected the finalists for the Koozie Award, which is the award given to the top point guard in college, and there's 17 finalists, 17 point guards selected from the nation as finalists. Kalen Lucas is not one of them. They picked 17, and Kalen Lucas isn't one of them. The guy's averaging 15 points and got the second-best assist-to-turnover ratio in the nation. He leads our team, the number nine ranked team. He is the leader on that team. I don't care what anybody says. Kalen Lucas is the leader of that team you know, right if now. Not for Kalen Lucas, you know, us losing Raymar Morgan would be huge. If not, if we didn't have Kalen Lucas and Raymar Morgan went out, we would be lost right now. Kalen Lucas just gels this team. He brings this team together. There's been two different second halves where he's just put the team on his back and. Gotten into the lane and scored. I mean, the Ohio State game on the road, Kalen Lucas went scoreless in the first half, then just went nuts and scored, I think, 23 points. I mean, scoring them every which way, three-pointers, driving the lane, little little teardrops, everything was going for him. 23 points in the second half. It was the same thing against Iowa, I believe, where he had two points going into halftime, and he finished with over 20 points. With the exception of, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but the point guard at North Carolina, Ty Lawson. Lawson. Ty Lawson. With the exception of Lawson, I can't think of a point guard who's better than Kalen Lucas at just Jeff Teague. From Jeff Teague. He's good. Here, I'll I'll read yeah. who they have here. They have Darren Collison from UCLA. You know what? He's having the same kind of year his senior year as Drew Neitzel did last year. Kind of 
He was an All-American, preseason All-American this year, and he's really not living up to it. He's having an up-and-down year, but he's just like Drew Neitzel in his senior year. The thing is, Carlson has led UCLA to three Final Fours, so i got to give him credit there. I mean, that's that's uh, pretty good. Then Stephen Curry, who isn't a point guard, he's a shooting guard. I mean, there's no way around that. He's listed as a point guard now because he'll be a point guard in the NBA. They'll bend the rules just to get Steph Curry noticed for something. Oh, oh, I'm sure. And then uh, they let's lost see. The College of Charleston. Yeah, Sharon Collins, Kansas. Who, uh, Lucas beat. Who Lucas dominated? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Collins ended up scoring 25, <laughs> but that was late in the game against us. Tony Douglas from Florida State. Okay, I don't. I haven't seen Florida State play, but I haven't heard of this guy. Levance Fields from Pittsburgh. He's he's good. He's yeah, solid. He's he legit. leads the league the or leads the nation in assist to turnover. Uh, Johnny Flynn from Syracuse, fantastic playmaker there. Dominique James from Marquette. He, I mean, t- two years ago, sure, I'd put him on this list. He's not even the best guard on his exactly. team. Exactly. McNeil. Exactly. He's not even the best guard on his team for Marquette. That's. I think that's going from his freshman and sophomore years when he yeah. was that team. He's not anymore. I mean, we played when we played him in the tournament. That was it. Was him? It was him. It was all him. And they, I think McNeil was out. He he was injured and he wasn't playing during that first round first round game. Yeah, and then Ty Lawson's next. I mean, Lawson showed how good he is when he's, we played him. He's just a NBA ready point guard. Yeah, that's true. Eric Maynard from Virginia Commonwealth. I that's a joke. I mean, I I couldn't tell you who he is. Patrick Mills from St. Mary's. Mills. Yeah, I. Jeremy Pargo from Gonzaga. Again, he's having a terrible year this year. I've watched him play. Gonzaga's down, and he's the main reason. I've watched. He's a senior. I've watched him lose the game for them. But the, the thing about Patty Mills is, if not for him, St. Mary's would be nowhere in the Nationals. That's true. Scene. That's true. At all. And Pargo, I think it's the same thing. It's his past that put him on this list. Because a few years ago, sure, he was good. This year, not so much. A.J. Price from UConn. He's solid guard, solid point guard there. And Jeff Teague from Wake Forest. Then two then, Division two point guards. Uh, Virgil Buenzuqueso, BYU. It says BYU-Hawaii. BYU-Hawaii, yeah. Yeah, so Brigham Young, B- has yeah. a, a, Brigham Young a at Hawaii. Yeah. Sure, sure. And Darren Duncan from Merrimack. And uh, Merrimack, that's in St. Louis. <laughs> and then there's there's even guys, two guys from Division three. I mean, it's nice to nominate them there. I'm sure they're having great years. They're great players down there. But how can you do this and not put Kalen Lucas on your list? You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what? Leave it to Kalen Lucas to, you know, maybe lead Michigan State to a Final Four. Then they'll know who Kalen Lucas is. That's true. That's how point guards get recognized here at Michigan State. Take them to the Final Four. Or at least win a Big Ten title, Would you Big Ten tournament. A Cousy Award or a Final Four appearance? Well, come on. Come on, though. Cousy not... Award, of course. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Easy question. <laughs> well, okay. Now, so we talked about how, the games that we had. We didn't really get into the games too much because they were blowouts. I mean, we beat we beat Indiana 75-47, to 47, and we beat uh, Minnesota, I don't even know, 76-47. to 47, One more point we put on them. There was... A little bit of worry in that Indiana game just because Kalen Lucas didn't have a good day. He was 4 for 15 shooting. Darrell Summers was only 1 for 11. Our defense has been great these last two games. And Chris Allen finally got got back go, to going here. You know, 
I, I am just puzzled at why we can't have Chris Allen and Darrell Summers both have good games in the same game. We, we talked mean, about this they, at the game. Yeah, I, I am just baffled that it's either one or the other. You know, the last four games, it's been Darrell Summers, and this one last one, Chris Allen. You, you, you cannot have them both shoot like that. If they ever are on the same page in a game, you watch out. You you watch out because Kalen Lucas is going to have a field day with assists. That's true. And the the thing we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Draymond Green, freshman, hit a, the game of his career so far. He had a double double. He went for um, fifteen points with twelve rebounds coming off the bench. He's just been playing out of his mind lately. I, I, I think that's the biggest thing that you can take out of this game. Obviously, you go into it at home expecting to beat a bad Indiana team, but to the way we won going away with our you know, secondary players. We are we had Raymar was out. Lucas had an okay game. What did he finish with? Eleven points. Yeah. Uh, Darrell Summers, who had been carrying the team lately, really didn't do too much. Sutan stepped up. He had a strong game. Green had a great game, and Chris Allen's finally back. Three guys who you did not really expect to win a game for you right now, and they did, and they did it in convincing fashion. Yeah, that, that's why this team is so good. I think. You know, everybody says in the Big Ten, if you look at the standings, you know, by far Michigan State and Purdue are the best. And, you know, you keep telling me, Scott, that, oh, Purdue's so good, but they don't, they don't even have Hummel. But you know what? Michigan State doesn't have Raymar Morgan either. So no, I never teams, said that we weren't good for that. I, I know. <laughs> but just saying, you know, I think Michigan State is the best team. You put Raymar Morgan back on that team, and even Purdue with Hummel, I think Michigan State is better. They're more experienced. They have a better mix of guys and they're built for the postseason. Okay, I'll give you that. And, Kyle, you said that Chris Allen's back. I'm going to argue with you on that. He had a good game, but I don't think he's back because that kid, when, it's been so frustrating following him. If he if he does it for two more games, then he'll be back. Because, I mean, that's that, and Izzo talked about this. He said consistency is the key. And it's just trying to figure out who's going to be on. And like you said, it's so great that we have the players and the depth that a Draymond Green can step up and give you what he did. And that's the key. You, you said how they never, Summers and Allen never hit on the same night. And the problem with that is if nobody else steps up. In the past, when it was last year, Drew Neitzel and Raymar Morgan, they never were on at the same time, it seemed like. And the problem was we didn't have anybody to step up. Sutan would sometimes, but we've never, and even in the past years when we had Shannon Brown, Mo Ager, and Paul Davis, or even just the guards there, they didn't hit at the same time. See, this is where a guy like Marquise Gray becomes vital because he comes off the bench, gives you minutes, and gives you energy. I mean, every time he scores, you know, or gets a big dunk or an alley-oop, he brings energy, especially at home. And he, you know, even on the road, he brings energy to the bench. And a guy like Delvon Rowe and Draymond Green getting big rebounds, big offensive rebounds, that kills a defense. And I, I understand the argument about how Allen and Summers are never seem to be playing well at the same time. But if you once uh, Raymar's back, how many teams really have their six and seven guys? that are that good playing good at the same time. How many teams even need that? Not very many, and I don't think we do either. Neither of those two will mo- have very good odds of starting once Raymar's coming back on a consistent basis. And just one final point, you know, even if, you know, they haven't had the 
best of games in previous games. You know, if if I have one guy or two guys to take a three pointer, it'd be Summers and Allen because they are just amazing three point shooters. Oh, there are two best three point shooters with all due respect to Kalen Lucas or Goran Sudan. Who, who actually has, he has the yeah. best percentage only because he takes wide open three. You know, I watch him in practice. I, I, I see a practice every few days, and at the end of practice, he shoots threes from just one spot, and he's automatic. Hmm. I think he would make 100 out of 120 three-pointers just standing in one spot. Well, even and you even his spots. pregame, even his pregame warm-ups, he's shooting threes a lot. Yeah. And most coaches would probably be upset with their starting center launching the ball but Izzo has, can tell, obviously, that he has a good shot, and he knows that he's a smart enough player not to launch when he doesn't have to. It's true. Another guy who uh, I think is a great shooter, and he doesn't get a lot of recognition, Corey Lucius. Mm-hmm. He he comes in, and he can fire it. Lots of teams don't realize that because he's so quick at point, and he's small, but he is a shooter. And I, I talked to him earlier in the season, and he said that's something that his dad always made him work on because he knew he was smaller, and he said his dad told him, it doesn't matter what you do, if you can shoot, you can make it. And that's why he always has had that shot. And what what a good example that Kalen Lucas sets for Corey Lucius. I mean, if Kalen Lucas, you know, if he leaves early, maybe if he stays for next year and leaves, Corey Lucius is learning, and, you know, it's, he's looking at what a perfect point guard, what a good point guard should be in Kalen Lucas, and the kind that leads a team. And so Corey Lucius, I have faith that one day he'll lead the Spartan team as a point guard. Yeah, I was just about to say, Kalen Lucas is the best thing to happen to Corey Lucius because they really are similar type players, undersized point guards who can shoot the ball pretty well. But Lucius does not have to worry about getting thrown into the fire. He gets good minutes, but he doesn't know very intense minutes. It's just a great thing to have a star in front of you, but you still get these quality minutes when you don't have to worry about, you know, a loss. That is very true. It's it's so great when you're able to develop freshmen like that. It's, I'm sure Izzo loves it, and being able to have all that depth, all the players around to do that. And weren't you telling me that, the, you know, it's different in Michigan State because freshmen get in and they're not really thrown to the fire because we always, we always have, and maybe it wasn't you, I was talking to somebody that mentioned that, you know, freshmen get in here and they don't have to be thrown to the fire. They don't yeah, have we to have that about pressure that. about it. Because MSU always has those seniors, that ex- those experienced guys that take the pressure off. Yeah. E- even Delvon Rowe, who's he's starting every game, but he doesn't have the pressure of being exactly. the big man. That's down low. that's the key, and it's I'm sure it's they are thriving in that situation. Or I'm sure if they were given the option, they'd much rather have that be able to put up big numbers, contribute, but not be relied on. But who knows? I mean, different people want different things. I think all of our freshmen like the situation they're in. Now we have a pretty big game. We only have one game this week, tomorrow night. Now early in the season, I actually put this up. Like we went through and we were trying to figure out win losses and I I put an L L besides this beside this game, not a W. Now we go down and play in Ann Arbor and we play U of M, play Michigan. They're two and six in their last eight games. They're not playing very well but they did just beat Penn State 71 to 51. They lost to UConn, looked competitive. They lost 69 to 61 against the number 1 team in the nation. Uh they've got basically two guys, Manny Harris and Deshaun Sims. I mean, they're both averaging around 15 points and 7 rebounds a game. Manny Harris 17 and a half points, 
7.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists. And Deshaun Sims is their center. He gets rebounds like crazy. Yeah, I, I, they don't just have Sims and Harris. They have Zach Novak. They have Stu Douglas. They have Laval Lucas Perry. Uh, they've got guys that shoot threes. And perfect example, Penn State yesterday losing to Wisconsin. Penn State at home, you know, Penn State in that game really lived and died by the long jumper. And, you know, they didn't make them. I mean, I think they missed a bit, like 23-pointers. So, you know, in battle and Pringle just step back and keep shooting them all day. So if their jump shot's not going in. If Michigan's jump shot is not going in, then they're in trouble. Michigan's a very strange team. They've they've beaten some teams that they probably shouldn't have beaten, and they've lost some games that they definitely shouldn't have lost. So, But they have always been able, this season at least, to step up for the big game. Going into UConn and only losing by that much to the number one team in the nation and so far, you know, the most consistent team in the nation is was I was amazed that they were it was that close. Yeah, but that's the thing. Which team is gonna show up tomorrow? Which Michigan team? The Michigan team that beat Duke or UCLA or the Michigan team that was down twenty at Indiana? Mm-hmm. That's true. I, I think that they'll get up for this one. Because there's been there's actually been talk about how it's a rivalry and how it's kind of big which when i think michigan michigan state basketball it's not really that much of a rivalry i think it's it's a rivalry because the players are all friends with each other Kalen lucas played aau ball with manny manny harris and so did durrell summers right so they know deshaun sims pretty well they all know each other because the majority of them are all from michigan that's true any any of the michigan players who remember last game i think are going to get up even a little bit more for it because the the way we beat them they were having a down year but I can distinctly remember a few times where Raymar Morgan, you know, would make a big play and play to the crowd even more than he normally would because we, you know, that was a celebratory win for us. We, it was, you know, at a time in the season where we needed to get hot and we put up some big numbers and, you know, rubbed it in a little bit. So I think especially some of the, you know, sophomores, juniors, seniors, they're going to get up even more for this game. Never know. But the thing that worries me is the last couple of years we haven't done too well down there in Chrysler. They've they've actually surprised us a few times, but who knows? It it sure it's gonna be good. I'm excited. Uh, MSU's won the la- five of the last eight in Ann Arbor, so we lost the last two. Granted, but five of the last eight, Michigan State has come out victorious. undefeated on the road. This exactly, year. we're six and zero on the road. Yeah, and th- like I said, you know we're we're going on the road, but it's the perfect environment because there's no distractions as there are at home, and yeah. so they this team loves playing on the road. They're deep enough; they can wear teams down, and you know. Michigan better make them jump shots or they're going to be in trouble. That's true. That's true. And we get to uh, hopefully meet Aaron Andrews when we're down there. Yes. Oh, well, found found Actually, that out earlier today. I'm hoping for Brent Musburger myself. <laughs> He's like my role model. Really? Yeah. I don't. I can't tell if you're being serious or not, but I no, I personally do not care for Musburger my, my, my myself. My role model is Al Michaels. There you go. Yeah. Do you believe in do miracles? Do you believe in miracles that for that reason? Go ahead. I don't doubt that. All right, now in the Big Ten, it was it was big for us this week. We, I mean, that Minnesota game, it was good. We're now two games ahead of everybody: Illinois and Ohio State. We already beat Ohio State both games, so we hold a tiebreaker over them. We still have to play at Illinois, but we of course beat them at home. Now you you don't seem you were saying it was huge when Purdue lost, and oh, this is huge, Pavel. I. 
I don't know how yeah. you can. You're sitting here shaking your head, acting like it's not a big deal. I'm, you I, were happy when we were up by one game. I'm like one of the biggest optimists when it comes to MSU basketball. But after talking to the players yesterday, they just put it in perspective for me that you know Travis Walton makes the best point that yeah they have a two game lead, but their next two games are on the road. They could easily lose at Michigan and then a week in a week lose at Purdue, and then they'd be you know they'd just lose that two game lead. You just vanish just like that. So. The biggest thing for this team is that after tomorrow's game, they have a week off to prepare for Purdue. That could be good and bad because Minnesota came in here with a week off, and they, I think they were still on vacation because they didn't show up. So that week could be good, that week could be bad. It could be good as far as getting healthy. Maybe Raymar Morgan could get get closer, and some of the other guys who have a little cough, a couple of the other guys are getting sick too. So that week could be big. Who knows? But I like having a two-game lead. I don't care oh, what don't you're going to say. I, I do, too. I love having the two-game lead. It's a, it's a comfort zone, definitely. And if you look at it even closer, there's only three teams left with four losses, and they still have to play each other head-to-head. So these right. teams are going to have to fall somehow. So, you know, it, we could there could be one team that wins the Big Ten title. It could be Michigan State with four losses all alone. No co-Big Ten championship. The other rest of the teams have at least five losses. That's very true. I mean, it's just like what we said when we had two-game lead before, when we, before we had lost any games, where we can lose two and still win. We can lose two more games and still win no if, pressure if they on lose. Them. No pressure on them. And that's, right. I think that's what Michigan State likes, and that's what allowing them to go on the road and win these games, these big games. Well, Purdue's really the only team I think that even has a chance. Ohio State, we already you already mentioned, we beat twice. And Illinois, I think we can just wear down inside. They really don't have a dominant post player. They have, I'm drawing a blank on, again on his name. Tisdale. Tisdale. Tisdale's a very good player, but he's not a strong post player. He's a good jump shooter. He's good at shooting inside the arc. But when you get, every time they've had someone who can really body him up, just like Sutan did in the first game, he gets in a little bit of foul trouble, he gets a little rattled, and then Weber has to take him out of the game. And they don't have a backup. You know, the only thing that worries me about going to Illinois is that there's a big difference Illinois playing on on the road and at home. Illinois oh, shoots yeah. about 30% on the road. They shoot better than 50% at home. That's ridiculous. They they are one of those teams that do have a definite home court advantage. It's I mean that's well known. It used to be that way here. <laughs> yeah, and I was at the I was at the game last year at Illinois, Michigan State, and that was a even when they had a down year, they still had that you know the hostile. They get the crush. orange out going, and now here are our remaining games. We go at Michigan, obviously, then at Purdue. We have Wisconsin and Iowa at home before we go to Illinois, then Indiana, and we finish with Purdue at home. So that that doesn't look too bad. I mean, if we just play like we should play, like we have been playing, I mean, there, there's no games left that we should lose. Every game we should win every game. If we don't, you know, it'd be understandable for a couple of them. But there's we should win every game. Yeah. At worst, I mean, I could see. I mean, well, at worst, we could lose them all, obviously. But at worst, I see three losses, four losses, maybe. I I don't even know that much, but. Definitely, it's good. A big shakeup. I mean, Purdue dropped. They're two and a half games behind us now. Penn State had a rough week. They they lost by 20 to Michigan and then lost by 10, like you were saying, to Wisconsin. They just had a terrible shooting night. Yeah, Minnesota's dropped off. And you know, If you remember, they went undefeated in non-conference play. They, yes. you know, it was like 18-0, and and then 
Hopefully First game in conference, lost to Michigan State at home. That's true. And then they lost, obviously they lost to us and Ohio State this this last week. But, I mean, the Big Ten, it's still solid. I looked at the bracketology. They have MSU as a number two seed. They have, um, let's see, what was it? Purdue at a four, maybe. Yeah. And then Illinois and Ohio State as fives. And I think Minnesota as a seven, somewhere around there, seven or eight. Minnesota's... Yeah, the thing about Minnesota is they can't even win their home games. They have trouble winning their home games. So how are they going to finish the year? I mean, the NCAA committee looks at how you've done the last ten games, and Minnesota is just, they are limping to the finish. That's true. I mean, Tubby Smith's a great coach, and hopefully they'll figure things out for them. I mean, I'd like to see as many teams as possible make it into the tournament from the Big Ten. Now, I'm going to shake this up. I didn't give you much of a warning. We kind of talked about it throughout the week a little bit. Pavel, what's your what's your Big Ten, all Big Ten team here? I know. I'm sorry, I caught you off guard. Here, I'll, I'll give you mine. I'll just I'll just run through this list. I didn't I didn't write it down yet. Let's see. I'll go with five. And I was talking. I said before that you could almost put all five of them as sophomores. But I have Taylor Battle, the guard from Penn State. He's leading the league in scoring. This is. This is just all games, not conference games, because Kalen Lucas leads in conference games. Then Kalen Lucas as the other guard, Manny Harris, Evan Turner, and then the fifth one, I'm still not sure. I think it depends on who comes through in the end. Like I like to look at standings when I'm deciding who deserves to be on it. I'd, I'd like to give it to Kevin Coble. Because of what he's doing for Northwestern. Jamel Cornley. Or, yeah, Jamel Cornley, if Penn State gets back, writes their ship. But I think I think I will give it to Coble right now. Th- that's my five. Got Lucas, Harris, Turner, uh, I'm Battle, to, Coble. I'm going to have to agree with you. Oh. I, well, okay. You go first. That's the easy one because you just take all the ones that that's true. You know, I would take. All right. Kyle, any any well, uh, think, changes to that? Nah, I really can't. It's kind of top heavy as far as a star player goes. I think you know you have a couple guys who are automatics, and then it's a big group of guys that you know some days they are all Big Ten, some days they aren't. That's true. I mean, I'm looking. If Michigan goes on a run, you can put Deshaun Sims in there. He's having a great year. Uh, there's guys. Etwan Moore. Yeah, Etwan Moore is doing pretty well at Purdue. He's averaging 14 a game. Uh, Devin Dumas was doing well, but, I mean, you can't take anybody from Indiana. Besides that, there's really, I mean, Craig Moore, okay, Pringle, Lawrence no. Westbrook if Minnesota turns it around. but You know, Al Nolan was on on pace for a while, but I don't think he, he's really dropped off. Lawrence Westbrook's really overshadowed him either, uh, too. So That's true, that's true, but... That's that's what I would think. I think it'll probably stay that way throughout the rest of the season. Those guys are consistent. You know, just uh, to make another point, this Indiana team, we were waiting to you know to hear what Tom Crean had to say. Did he ever at, show up? Yeah, he did, yeah. and I I heard him talk. And you know, first of all, just looking at him and hearing him speak, he's just really intelligent, a really good guy. And you know, the thing that will help them in the next few years, this young team, is that they know they've. They're losing all these games, but they're learning how to accept losses. They're learning how to take these losses, and I think later on they're going to get stronger and learn from them. And you know, in a year or two, when losses come more rare to them, 
they're going to be able to bounce back from one loss and come back the next game. That is true. And, I mean, they've got they've got the young players who will be around for a while, so hopefully you can develop them. I'm sure, I mean, Tom Crean's a great recruiter. Indiana recruits itself, I mean, as long as there's no violations going on there. But Tom Crean recruited fantastic. He was at Marquette. He, he made some great teams there. You know, but they lose he a big guy. Marquette. Indiana loses a big guy this year, Kyle Tabor. So. That's true. Who knows? It'll it'll take a couple years, but I still still think they'll be back. Just like I said, Michigan, give them a couple years, and they'll have their guys. Give them two years. Give Crean two years. Two years? All right. Yep. I'll buy that. 2011. I, the, the Big Ten has to have, if if not the best, one of the best divisions of coaching. That's, the coaches oh, yeah. in the Big Ten are absolutely amazing, and they're all fighting over the same you know five states of players. So it's I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tougher for Crean than it was at Marquette because he has to go up against Izzo and all those other guys. And he, another thing, you know, there's only so much, so many scholarships basketball can give out. So there's so much talent out there in the state of Michigan and Ohio and Illinois, you know, in that Midwest where the Big Ten country is. There's just so many enough talent to go around, you know, guys that don't sign with Michigan State, like Manny Harris or Deshaun Sims. You know, Izzo recruited all these guys, but he can't give them all scholarships. Right. So. And Kareem did okay because Mark Hudson, Wisconsin, so he did he did all right. But, but he wasn't he wasn't competing with like the big boys as much as he will be now. He didn't have to go head to head in the Big Ten with anyone else. That's true. Now, just the rankings came out today. Every Monday they put out a new one. Um, I mean, UConn stayed number one. Oklahoma number two. That. That seemed to be pretty obvious. Now let's see. Yeah, I think Oklahoma can run the table. I think they're really? they're going to finish with one loss. To be honest with you. Wow. I I think they're only, they're only they've proven themselves. They won on the road, you know, against the best Big Twelve teams. And this says something about the Big Twelve teams. They're not as great as everybody makes them out to be. But their one game is at Kansas. That's true. Who knows? And the strange thing is, I was looking, and it's been this way the last two weeks. The women's number one and number two, UConn and Oklahoma. Both both schools there, they're having great great seasons. Always UConn always seems to do that. They're just basketball powerhouses on both sides. Now speaking of women's basketball, our women's team has really stepped it up lately. I kind of wrote them off earlier in the season. They had that five game losing streak. They beat number twelve Ohio State yesterday, fifty two to forty six. That was without the starting point guard Brittany Thomas. She tore ACL in practice. That's gonna hurt down the line. Yeah, she's done for the rest of the season, so that that hurts for sure. But they're still eight and one in their last nine games, and the one loss was it was kind of a surprise. You know, I was talking uh, with a, c- a couple of SIDs today at Michigan State's press conference, and you know, Mark D'Antonio in the second year, look what he did. Took him to a New Year's Day bowl. Susie Merchant in her second year. Establishing the women's oh, program. No, 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 no. You cannot make that comparison. There. Why not? What did she do her first year? Well, exactly. <laughs> What's her recruiting class like? Well, yeah, yeah. That's Mark D'Antonio, according but to that, different that people. Her, that should give her more credit, though, because she's she's making the best out of uh, what she has to work with, and she's she has the second best team in the Big Ten right now. What she has to work one. with was what Coach P left her. I mean. AJ, Aisha Jefferson, and Alyssa DeHaan. Those are those are pretty nice players to come well, across. Antonio had Ringer. Fine. That's, whatever. <laughs> we got to move on. I'm getting to NBA today. I'm getting to NBA. I know. We have two minutes, and I am getting to the NBA. I never talk about it. I've actually been watching it this week. There's no football. I know. I'm watching NBA. I'm sorry for everything. Like, 
I'm sorry, Dad. I'm watching NBA basketball. I've never, I've hated it forever. But, you know, there were some huge games yesterday. You had Kobe LeBron, even though Kobe's sick with the flu. Then you had, what was it, the Spurs and the Celtics were playing. Great game, came down to the end. And you had, uh, well, the Pistons. Pistons, they are not the team they used to be. You know, the most impressive thing is that the Lakers go 6-0 and on their road trip, and the last two, they beat the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. Handed Cleveland, Cleveland their, their first, first home, loss. home loss. And before that, they won by one point in Boston. So 6-0 and on the road trip. This is without Andrew Bynum, who once again has a season-ending injury, just like Not season-ending. Yeah, no, he'll, he'll be, be back. back. He's, he'll be out about, about four to six weeks, I think. He'll be back for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. about the same time. And, I mean, that game, Kobe was sick. Lamar Odom just took over, which he has got to be the most inconsistent player in the NBA. I mean, he could be an all-star year after year after year, but there's just some nights he just doesn't do anything. And I think the bad thing for the Lakers is Paul Gasol is kind of in that same boat. He shows up, but then in the finals last year, neither one of them were there. I'm sorry. Uh, how can you really stand out and have a consistent games when Kobe's taking 40 shots a game? And making maybe less than 50% of them. Even the greatest players have other guys around them. I know. And you and know what? Kobe should... you got to get your backup. You've got to get your Scottie Pippen there Kobe's somewhere. Got, Kobe's got a good supporting cast. He doesn't need to do it all by himself. He doesn't need to score 61 every game. That's true. Who LeBron's knows? LeBron's a perfect now, example. He scored 52 and was able to still get 10 rebounds and 11 assists. So he makes everybody around him better. Okay. Maybe. So who who do you think is going to be in the finals? Quickly, oh, quickly, man, quickly. I don't know. Okay, you're uh, I, I, I think I it's going to be a rematch. I think it oh, it's almost has to be Boston-LA. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with that. I was, uh, you know, I would say Orlando before Jameer Nelson went out, but no. No. It's, it's got to be a rematch again. Yeah, it'll be Cleveland if anybody takes out. Good for reading, good out. for money. Good it's true. And now everything. Shannon Brown's with the Lakers. Maybe he just Is got it? traded. Yeah, he was oh. part of the Adam Morrison deal for uh, Vladimir Radmanovich. So who knows? Hopefully, <laughs> I'll be rooting for the Lakers here finally. Maybe. Doubt it. But who knows? That There, we got to NBA for all those people who feel bad because we never get to it. Uh, there's some other stuff, but... Michigan State hockey won. That's true. It's rare. It is. It has been rare. But we're out of time here. Got to toss it up to the Jazz Spectrum. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Kyle, for sitting in. Pavel, always here, along with me, Scott, your host of the Spartan Sports Trap. We'll see you next Monday. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.